Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Maxine Silva, host of Building Bridges, Discovering Your Path to Peace. With these difficult times that we're having now, uh, dealing with COVID-19 coronavirus and the uh, pandemic, endemic, epidemic, um, uh, we will discuss the, the, clarification, the clarifications of each of these terms. It's hard not to be emotional. It's hard not to be fearful. It's hard not to go to the refrigerator and binge eat me in particular being isolated. <laughs> so um, we decided that we should listen to our professional, our healthcare professional, Dr. Christine Sauer. Uh, you all may know her as Doc Christine. And uh, um, she has her, uh, her own website called Healthy, whoops. Health-seekers.org health-seekers.org where you can tune into her on a regular basis and I hope you do. Uh, Christine is originally from Germany and uh, actually I just first of all hi Christine how are you? Hi Maxine <laughs> I'm doing great I'm fortunate the house is warm we have to eat we even have toilet paper. Wow oh now who did you leave none for? Uh, I didn't binge. Oh, but, but you brought you brought to. I didn't me. even buy anything. <laughs> yeah. I've had enough for another week. Then we have to go out get some. Thank you, thank you to you and Mike, your husband. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's talk about these things, please, Doc. Um, yeah. When when they're talking about pandemic, endemic, epidemic, what do these terms mean exactly? Well. I want to mention to start with that what we are talking about is just general information to explain a little bit of the background. And please go to your government's public health website to get the newest information and the rules and regulations. Because whether you agree with them or not doesn't matter. We are law-abiding citizens. We follow the rules. Yes. And the analysis and blame game can come later. It will probably, the media will find somebody that's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. It is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, the term pandemic, epidemic, endemic comes from the Greek. And endemic means within demic, within uh, a disease within us. It's within a very narrow um, um, uh, country, for example. We, for example, uh, uh, the yellow fever is endemic to uh, South Africa. Aha. It is not everywhere. It doesn't spread because it is transmitted by a certain kind of mosquito that is just in this area of the world. Right. Then there's an epidemic. An epidemic is an outbreak of some infectious disease within a confined region. For example, in Canada, every year we have a flu epidemic. Mm -hmm. It goes around, uh, some get it, some not. If you're lucky, we got the, uh, uh, we got the uh, it's included in the flu shot. 
if not our immunity deals with it and some people sadly will pass on and that's an epidemic but it's not all over the world like we have it now and the pandemic is pan means everywhere that means the whole globe is affected millions and millions of people are affected and no country really can help another country because they are all affected themselves sure. Sure. so that's the situation we are in but sure. you can argue there's not just infectious diseases that cause havoc in the pandemic because there's obesity, diabetes type 2, heart disease, mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah, not and, and people don't realize that because we are in the throes of, of somewhat of an hysterical reaction to all of this. And this is where the messages get mis misinterpreted are um, are incorrect um, so it causes a lot of confusion in people's minds yes and that is so true and uh, we'll get a little bit into the statistics a little later because uh, I'm, I'm known as a voice of reason I don't I don't take really sides I try to uh, take what's there and mm. filter out what makes sense like judge julie always says if it doesn't make sense it's not true <laughs> yes that's right she's a very wise lady judge judy yes. <laughs> yes yes so now christine um so we had over the centuries spanish uh, flu we had h1n1 and ebola and sars much more recently What's the difference between the coverage of those diseases as opposed to coronavirus slash COVID-19? Now, that's a very interesting question because uh, really it gets compared not just with what you mentioned, but also the Black Death, the smallpox, and then there was a pestilence in the Middle Ages. And it, it doesn't make sense to compare it. Now, let's look look during the so-called Spanish flu in 1918, the governments tried to do the same that we are doing now, isolate the people as best as possible. In spite of this, millions died worldwide. And it was a very virulent uh, virus, like the COVID virus, very infectious. But at that point, there were many less people in the world. Now, why did still millions die, and especially younger people? because at this point, medicine was not as progressed as now. And most people died of pneumonia caused by bacteria that went on top of the viral disease. And no antibiotics being present, people passed away from pneumonia at that time. They passed away from all kinds of infectious diseases. We are so, so spoiled with... We think pneumonia, uh, if, if bacteria hit us, we just take a few pills and it's gone. That was uh, always so in history. So should we be concerned about a bacterial infection on top of the viral one at this point in time, even though we do have antibiotics? Would it complicate things? And, and what is the possibility or probability of that? Absolutely. I can't say anything about the probability, but if you belong to a vulnerable population, which we'll get into later, if your lungs are damaged by smoking, toxins, or other diseases, asthma, you have a higher risk 
to not only getting a severe pneumonia from COVID-19, but also getting a super infection, which it's called. That means an additional infection by bacteria, hopefully yeah. treatable, but this can lead to people being not only admitted to hospital, but to intensive care and having to go on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what are the symptoms of COVID-19? Now the symptoms are really not much difference from a flu or a bad cold. It can vary from none at all, to sniffles, to a sore throat, red eyes, a cough, fever, muscle pain all over, to pneumonia with trouble breathing up to septic shock. Most people experience any flu as a usual bad cold. It seems that this COVID-19 has a higher likability, likelihood, I should say, to produce a severe illness. Now that can be a statistical fallacy because who do we test? We test people with symptoms. In the beginning, we tested people yeah. with severe symptoms on the verge of death. Yeah. And then we had the death rate of 20% of the tested people. Right. And we said, oh my God, it's just as bad as a black death, which by the way, had a 50% death rate. But 20% is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then they tested people with symptoms generally, and the death rate fell because now there's people with a regular immune system. So it's a larger pool to draw. That's a larger pool and it fell to about 5%. And uh, now it's about 1% death rate. Now a regular H1N1 flu had about 0.5 to 1% too, where we had no, what they call herd immunity. That means the general population has never been exposed to that virus, which we are all prepared for if our immune systems function. Right. So I expect when they really do studies later, when the testing capabilities are better and test a representative sample of the community, that the death Mm -hmm. rate from COVID-19 will be about the same as the one of H1N1. I see. Well, I was listening to the news this morning, (laughs) my usual MO, and uh, they were saying that there are no tests in the United States at present, although in other parts of the world there are, that will detect whether you have been uh, um, exposed to the COVID-19 and whether you have or have not immunity to it. Now, interestingly enough, back in early January, I had what I thought was the flu. I had uh, a fever, I had body aches, and I had a cough. Pretty bad And one. I remember, you remember that, Doc? Yes, that yeah. was pretty bad. And I, I remember going to bed at night and saying to myself, thank God I don't have any phlegm, anything in my lungs, so at least, or no nasal congestion, so I can breathe through the night. Who knew? Maybe it was maybe it was the COVID nineteen that I have. I would be anxious at some point to know if I could get a test to find out if indeed I was infected, and if so, do I have any kind of immunity? Can you speak to that? 
Absolutely. Uh, now it takes about four to six weeks to create IgG antibodies that last for a longer time. Not everybody makes antibodies, so some people can get easily reinfected. And the viruses, the flu viruses generally tend to mutate. So even your antibodies don't catch them 100%. They might get catch them to 50%. It's like a, a key that doesn't fit properly to the lock anymore. So those tests are, of course, already there, but they are not widely available because the only uh, people where they need it right now is for the tests to build a vaccine. That's how a vaccine gets judged. Do, do people that get the vaccine build antibodies? So they have to have, when they do vaccination, vaccine development, they have to have a test for antibodies. You bet they have that in the States. It's just not available widely because they have to limit the healthcare resources and it doesn't make a difference to most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would for me in that I, I am cloistered away in my apartment. Yeah, not going anywhere. And, uh, but then I probably freak people out anyway, if I was immune, right? Or then which would also mean I wouldn't be able to pass it on. But right. You know, that's for another day. Yes. Um, so, uh, what what are the what are the first lines of defense? If if as we're all in our in our own little bubbles and whatever, and and not supposed to be out walking the streets and potentially contaminating other people, what can we do? Now, the first line of defense for any infection is strengthen your immune system. Eat well. Eat, uh, if they're available, fresh veggies and fruit. If not, frozen is the second back, back, uh, good option. Take additional vitamin C, two, up to two grams is safe unless you have liver or kidney disease. Get some sun, real sun, not behind the window, but don't get sunburned. Mm -hmm. But of mm -hmm. course, avoid contact with other people if your immune system is damaged in any way. Ask your physician if, it, if you think it is, they can tell you more individually. This is just general info. And if you have questions, what foods are best for your immune system, I suggest you get my book, Eating for Vibrant Health and Explosive Energy, which is on Amazon. It shows you exactly. <laughs> thank you. It shows you exactly which foods you, you can yeah. select in our current world for your best health generally and a solid immune system. Yeah. So yeah. the second line of defense is physical distancing. I don't like the term social distancing. We are socializing, but we are physically ah. distant. And of course, what they say, the hygiene measures. Yeah. But, uh, wash your hands the right way. There's lots of videos out there for at least 20, 30 seconds with regular soap. Doesn't have to be antibacterial. Soap kills bacteria, viruses, funguses, all the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't wash your whole body with it. Your hands are enough. Don't uh -huh. touch your face. Right. Because if you touched a surface and it contains a virus and then you touch your mouth, your nose, uh, your eyes, everywhere where there's watery, water-covered surfaces, epithelium we call it, or a little scrape on the skin, 
the virus can enter there. It mostly enters through the nose, through the mouth, through the eyes. And from the eyes, it, there's a direct connection to the back and the sinuses and the back of the throat. And that's where the virus starts to multiplicate in the beginning. And you're the most, uh, actually the most infectious a day or two or three even before you have symptoms, if at all, and about five days after you start to have symptoms. Okay, That's why so in England they only put you in quarantine for seven days. But we go the safe route because some people are infectious for up to 14 days or even longer. And that's why we are careful because right. the main reason is we don't want to overwhelm our already strained healthcare system. True, true. Now, the way that the, the virus is passed from one person to another is through the air, is through droplets, yep. whatever, from your mouth or nose or mm -hmm. whatever, cough, um, but within a certain amount of distance. But then again, that's why they picked the six, uh, six feet or two meters, right? But, and it sounds awful, but we all, when we speak, anybody who speaks in the direction we speak, we project droplets about six feet ahead of us, whether we right. like it or not. So if right. you talk to somebody face to face, you always, all the time, all your life, <laughs> you showered yeah. them with little droplets. Some people really spit. <laughs> yeah, some people really spit. And sometimes true. it's a problem with their dentures. <laughs> oh, oh my. Well, and, and so um, once the virus enters your mouth, nose, eyes, or whatever, then explain where it goes, what happens, and the life of it, and, and how does it get eliminated, or die, or whatever? Yeah, okay. How do we get rid of it? It's interesting, because a virus, as opposed to a bacterium, can't multiply by itself. Okay. A bacterium, you can give it an agar medium, which is basically algae, and it will multiply by itself. A okay, virus. If, if, if a bacterium is, is a live organism, but well, a virus is not. No, well, well, well uh, yes and no. It, 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 it depends how you look at it, because okay. the virus to multiply needs a complete cell that it can take hostage. Okay, but it's not itself that it needs, it needs that host. Right, it needs a host. That's why when they grow a virus in the laboratory, they have to grow it, for example, on an egg. Okay. Because there are cells in it. That's how in our uh, vaccines, in some of them, the egg protein comes in because they grow it on eggs because it needs another cell to be able to hijack this cell and uh, force the cell to produce even more of the viruses, like the Borg, and the viruses then uh, lead to the cell bursting, and then they infect, they hijack other cells right. and do the same to them. So that's where the symptoms come in, because your cells burst from the virus, and the injury causes uh, their glands to produce mucus, and you get the sniffles. And then they go from your nose and mouth down the windpipe in the 
bronchi, the big wind pi the pipes in the lungs and into the lungs, do the same there if your immune system hasn't already started to take care of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, if you are a relatively healthy person, mm -hmm. your immune system will kick in and will address that, that foreign object within yes. you. And, and it will happen fairly fast. Within a day or two, your immune system recognizes, hey, there's somebody here that we have to take care of. He's hijacking our cells. Right. And there comes the squad, the, 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 the police squad of white blood cells and uh, basically eats the whole infected cell and destroys it. Okay, so the white blood cells eat the virus. Basically, yeah. They eat the virus and or, then or they, eat they the expose it. By the virus. Sometimes they take it with them. Some uh, uh, white blood cell take it with it, expose it to the lymphatic glands. That's why sometimes the lymph glands swell. Mm -hmm. So that the lymph cells say, okay, we look at it. How can we best react to it? And then we have specialized cells that build antibodies. Those antibodies of the IgM class come within a few days. As soon as they are multiplied enough, the body is ready to do that, they attack the virus and your infection is gone. Okay, so they kill it basically. And so it's I know interesting because it is good when you get a fever. People, th people think they have to squash a fever, they have to take Tylenol, they have to take aspirin to get the fever down. The mm -hmm. fever is not the illness, it's not the cause. The fever is a reaction of the body and it helps to kill the, uh, the virus and other microorganisms. Yeah, our because bodies microorganisms. <laughs> that's just the moment, I'm, I'm so into it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I know this is getting a little technical, but I think that our audience is, uh, relatively sophisticated with all of this in the media and everything. Oh, yes. So it's good to talk about these points so that people understand the mechanism. Yeah. And, and that our body does have its natural defense mechanisms in place and that if you are not compromised uh, in, in any way that your body will be able to fight this and therefore most of the cases will resolve maybe right. with sickness along the way but will resolve right and if you have no other illness a high fever even up to 40 for three days four days is good it it it, it keeps you in bed it gives the body the rest it needs to focus all its resources on the virus. That applies to children too, mm -hmm. uh, especially to those over a year. Under a year, I am a little bit more careful because they are one of the risk groups and some of them get fever cramps. So if they get fever seizures, well, you have to lower the fever to avoid those. Sure, sure. So it, it all depends. And if you ever have a question, if fever is dangerous for you, ask your doctor. But it's not without consequences to lower a fever that is meant to kill the virus because the virus can live longer when you have no fever. I see. Well, that's good to know also. And so do all COVID-19 cases uh, end up with pneumonia? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, most COVID-19 cases look like a flu, maybe a bad flu. 
I would say, I'm not quite sure about the exact numbers, look them up on the website, but pneumonia, less than 5% of the tested, maybe 10% of the tested. I think they say 7% of the people they test, and those are the ones with the symptoms, end up in the hospital. So they probably have some form of pneumonia. And 1% overall at the moment of the people tested passes on. Okay. And those are overwhelmingly people with pre-existing conditions. Ah, yes. Now, regarding healthy people, mm -hmm. um, the virus may or may not react in different ways with different healthy um, hosts, right? The body, the body right. interacts with the virus in different ways, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a cookie-cutter approach to this, even for a healthy person. Right. So, so when do you see when do you seek medical help? Now that's a good question, and the medical help should always be uh, searched when you are not sure what's going on, uh, especially if you're immunosuppressed or old and you feel really sick, have a high fever and cough or muscle pain then it's time here in Nova Scotia to call 811 or your local number uh, first. And if you have trouble breathing and can hardly speak, please call 911. Mm -hmm. Then it's time to call the ambulance. You need oxygen and God knows what else. Yes. And if in doubt, call 811. Always follow the advice of your healthcare professionals. They are up to date on the newest information, hopefully, and they know you if it's your family doctor and uh, even in the hospital they have your medical file and if you're immunosuppressed if you're old if you're a very small child ask your doctor ask your professional help and uh, make sure you get the assistance you need i see so if you know that you have been in contact with someone who's tested positive mm. what should you do for one isolate yourself right now most uh, provinces are in quarantine that means we have an, an emergency so we have to quarantine ourselves if we were in contact mostly health uh, canada will contact you anyway and stay away from everybody and and stay home don't even go out except for maybe in front of your door if nobody is around uh, for 14 days. Those mm -hmm. are the measures that we have been prescribed. Okay. Avoid the spread. If you belong to a risk group, or in any case, watch for symptoms, but don't be paranoid about it. Okay. Sometimes when you come in the cold air, the nose runs a little bit, or after, after you eat, your nose starts running, you eat a hot soup, you feel hot. That's not COVID-19. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, stay, stay, on, on, on a level ground. Yes. Well, some things are, are definitely worth repeating. So would you tell us again, when are you most contagious if you should be testing positive? Well, you are most contagious really before you have symptoms. One to three days. That's why they want all of us. Symptoms are not to stay home as much as we can and no more than five people gather and want the physical distancing. And then 
uh, you are in contagious for another three to five days, sometimes longer. That's why we are self-isolating or staying home or quarantined for 14 days in Canada and North America. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that could have political implications, but so what? It's okay. <laughs> we do that, don't we, Doc? Absolutely. So we're looking worldwide at different countries in the way that they have dealt with uh, this uh, uh, virus. Um, <clears throat> with some amazing, devastatingly horrible effects and some that have worked out relatively well in the overall picture. Um, our neighbors to the south, the USA, um, is sporadically and piecemeal handling this situation. It's very frustrating. I watch a lot of, uh, of, of the US media mm. and I'm thinking, why don't they just get together, have this um, uh, uh, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, in one shot, whole country. And so everybody is treated in the same way so that the peak, which is a rolling peak they're talking about going from one area to another area to and another. Flattening the curve so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. Yeah, but, but I, in my humble opinion, and I'm asking you from a medical perspective, in my humble opinion, I think it would make more sense. Let's clamp down, do everything that we can, get, a, get it over with as much as possible to suppress the overwhelming um, uh, uh, cases that are coming in for the, our, our healthcare uh, institutions mm. to try and help where it's really needed so that we don't have that rolling peak. So the, the seclusion will not continue on and on Forever. and on, right? Yeah, that's a big issue for the economic downturn that we are seeing currently. And I mean, being born in Germany, I have a hard time understanding the Americans uh, uh, and their fierce individualism to good, because we should always look for the good of everybody. We are all one. Common good. Yes. We should look out for the common good. And one of the ways we do it as citizens is follow the law. And when the law says do this, do it. If the law says your speed limit is 30, keep it. Mm -hmm. That's our duty as good citizens. And, and I'm a fierce good citizen trying to be. Nobody's yeah. perfect. And, yeah. and we are so fortunate to live in a democracy. And in the States, I have a feeling, and, and I may be totally wrong, that many people put their individual uh, fun, well-being, wishes over the well-being of society generally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And coming from a Germany, which some in America call a socialist country, <laughs> it certainly isn't socialist, but it is a social democracy, even more than Canada. But, but, but now, Christine, you and I live oh, in I'm a Canadian and I love Canada. <laughs> and actually, Canada found a pretty decent balance between uh, the individual well-being and rights and the communality and helping those that are less fortunate. Well, you know how I classify Canada. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be tooting our Go horn. for it. 
democracy with a heart. Oh, I love that. With a you maple know, leaf heart. It's <laughs> totally true. And uh, now I lived in the U.S. for 38 years. My children are born there. Uh, you know, I that I'm, long? You're long? not that old. <laughs> I was very young when I got there. <laughs> but what I'm saying is my heart is there too because I have a lot of good friends and family and, uh, you know, and people get the wrong impression of Americans as individuals or as a whole, whatever. They're beautiful people. The, the, you know, the Constitution of the United States is just an amazing piece of uh, uh, of yes. And, and, and it, it may be the media that propose it too much and the media can do a lot of harm and a lot of good yes. depending what they do. And I must say we were in Maine uh, the beginning of March and we're in self-isolation obviously because of that. The people we met there were very reasonable, friendly, nice people. They were scared, but nice people. Yeah, true, true. Now the thing is regarding the media too, yes, there's a lot of hyper reaction and whatever but i do believe this that there are people in the media with good intentions with good heart hearts who feel frustrated because they want people to understand what's going on they want people to do what's right for the common person mm -hmm. and for all of us as a unit and yeah. you know we live right next door so they're our closest neighbors of course and um uh there but here's my other take on all of this uh, you know i come from a spiritual perspective that good old mother earth has thrown us an opportunity to go within we yes. can't help but be by ourselves individually and uh, maybe this is time for us to really look it within ourselves and find out okay what can i do to make things better, not only for others, but yeah. it starts with me. So my peace comes from my looking within and realizing there are certain things that I can control yes. and certain things that I cannot. And my being a control freak, this is tough for me, yeah. but I'm managing to do it uh, day by day, except for the running to the refrigerator, et cetera. That's tough. And, uh, you know, but, but then guess what, Christine? I figured out what that is. My going to the refrigerator and eating a lot is to squelch feelings that I don't want to deal with to come to the fore because they're too painful. Yes. So I, just like with overeating for lots of reasons, but particularly now, what don't we want to face? Right. We don't want to face our own mortality. And it's interesting. I watched, I watched an interview, I don't know if you know him, with David Kessler, the guy who co-wrote the classic book on grief and grieving. And he said, he explained that the uncomfortable feeling we are all got in our hearts right now is really grief. We are yep. grieving for the people who are suffering, who are dying. A yes. grief for a world that has changed. And a grief in anticipation of more change and uncertainty. And that's a lot to process. That's and really true. And he mentioned that there's five predictable stages of that process. And I'll just tell them because they are so good. The first one is denial. This virus won't affect us. <clears throat> the second one is anger. 
you're making me stay home and taking away my activities. Uh-huh. Then comes bargaining. Okay, if social distance for two weeks, everything will be better, okay? <laughs> and then a sadness. I don't know when this will end. And in the end, hopefully we reach acceptance. This is happening. I have to figure out who, how to proceed. Yeah. And it, after acceptance, he mentioned, comes meaning. Meaning when you look back at the challenges and find the ways in which they make you stronger, wiser, and invited you to rise to the occasion. Now, isn't that said beautifully? Yes. And you know what? In retrospect, we see this because we must first introspect. That's where the retrospection yes. will come if we do that inner work. That's what I feel, yes. you know? And, and what happened to me, the moment of sadness came over me today. I was watching the television mm. and I heard of the death of Dr. James Goodrich, a um, mm. neurosurgeon in New York, who actually separated conjoined twins from the brain and miraculous work. You knew, you knew of this, Christine, right? Yeah, I knew of And this. the tears flowed. And I thought to myself, wow, what does this mean? Well, I do know what it means for me having lost my own daughter. Mm -hmm. But Christine, you and I are going to have a special um, episode on death and dying and our attitudes about it. And yes. so I, I hope that people will uh, tune in, look forward to uh, us going forward and dealing with those issues that need the light shone on them that are difficult to digest but are absolutely necessary for our survival and our thriving wow maxine you said that beautifully and it is so important and i want to say i made a special blog post with a uh, with a link to download a workbook that helps you to do the introspective and find out what new normal do you really want yes what do you want the future to be? Because now we have a chance to reconsider and maybe start something that helps the planet, helps us, helps everybody. I hope that will be happening. Mother so, Earth is crying for us to do that. Yes. And I mean, when you see the maps, how the, uh, the pollution went down, it is really humbling. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when the economy crashes, which is happening, but we will go get through it somehow. We are strong yeah. as a race. We are lots of people that can work together. Let's work together. And let's keep in touch. Yes. Let's, do, let's do these videos. And anybody who has any issues, questions, concerns, who just wants to comment, be in touch with us, please. That's what it's all about. You're not alone. We are not alone. Even though we are in our own isolation at the moment, but it's for good reason. So and let's reach out that way. Before we close, I want to say, please, if your mental health is affected, reach out to your neighbor, reach out to your doctor, or just someone you know who doesn't like to ask for support or help. Offer a listening ear, practical help if you can. Don't judge others when they feel sad or anxious. It is their re reaction. But keep up to date and, of course, follow the advice and regulations of the government agency. But don't watch the news channels 24-7. Do other things, too, that lift your spirit. 
Yes. Yeah. And here, if, if somebody hears this show or podcast video or needs a listening ear or a helping hand, please reach out to me. My email is christine at doccristine.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Maxine. You're a wonderful person yourself. We all experience grief in our lives. We all experience change. We all experience our mortality and never more than when Dr. Strang stands on the TV screen and says, this is a deadly virus. Yes. And it's okay. We're grieving now. It's yeah. okay to grieve. And, that, and this too shall pass. Thank you, everybody, for being with us today. God bless. God Namaste. bless. We'll see you again. Namaste.